At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. Isabella Lemacure, the world messenger on another epic episode of Legacy Leadership. And I have a fantastic guest here with us that has a tremendous background. He was actually not only wrote over 500 songs, but had a one particular song to cut attention even from the famous Grammy Awards and looking into it, his talent and work. He is also a former rock band rocker and so much into music, but changed career. How many times? Let's wait and hear from nobody else than president of Articulate, the PR and communication guru that is joining us from Aston, Texas, Dennis Welch. Dennis, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, Isabella. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for finding time to be with us and share mm -hmm. some amazing insights because worlds of music change, a world of uh, obviously PR and communication is never going to be the same from those early days, right? Mm -hmm. And with all of that, you continue to stay nimble and astute and lead the path and way and create some tremendous success for many people. So let's pick first couple of things. I was just joking earlier. Dennis Welch uh, and, and, and your background and how did you get, first of all, into spoken word, a word or written word, uh, either through music or through books or songs? So first of all, Isabella, you know, uh, I, I one of the recurring themes that you'll hear uh, in this conversation is that um, I've been very blessed to have uh, the right person the right people show up at exactly the time that I needed them. And uh, over and over again, I mean, I'm in my mid sixties now and, um, and it continues to happen. I mean, it just does. And so, so the, the, I would say the first time that it happened was uh, when I was starting elementary school, I could read, already read and spell apparently at a high level. I don't remember much of this stuff, but uh, but, you know, I was tested at the University of Houston. Uh, I, I, you know, the, the uh, principal of the school, uh, my mother and I went in and sat with her and I had to read for her and, uh, and then I had to close the book and tell her what I had read and all of this. And so anyway, the school wanted to start me in the third grade. And my mother said, no, she said, no, I really would prefer that he stay in his grade and uh, which turned out to be very wise because she was a very wise person. And so anyway, on the first day of, of the first grade, when all the other kids were meeting in their, um, their little reading circle, uh, Ms. McRee, the principal, came down and she walked into our first grade class and she called my name. And I, I thought I was in trouble already, you know? And uh, she said, Dennis, well, she goes, you come with me uh, and so I got up and, and went over to the door and she did the sweetest thing. She held my hand and we walked down to the school library. I, I was, this was an inner city Houston school. Uh, I had never been in a library before. And so we just didn't, just didn't do that, you know? And so anyway, and so, so we walk into the library and we walk all the way to the other side of the library by the windows. And she says, so Dennis, listen, you know, when, when you don't need to be in a reading circle, you already read. And so she said, so every day when your reading circle gather, she goes very politely, excuse yourself, come down to the library and all these books along this wall here, uh, these are for the kids in the first, second and third grades, like Cat in the Hat and those kind of books. And then we turned around Isabella and she held, still holding my hand, and she, she pointed to this, what looked like a giant library. And she said, you, you can come here every day, Dennis, and you can read any book in the library. And so 
you can imagine, you know, what that did for me. You know, I, I read all the works of Mark Twain before I got out of elementary school. I read, you know, uh, I loved baseball and sports. I read a lot of biographies. Uh, the book that taught me what words can do emotionally to you was the book Charlotte's Web. And I remember being really moved by that story and thinking, you know what, you can do this with words. And so, you know, it imprinted me. <clears throat> and I think she knew this was going to happen. You know, it imprinted me in a way that I've never really gotten over it. And that was 60, now 60 years ago. And, wow. um, and so, you know, and so what it did is it then, you know, from that came, you know, things like songwriting and I've written a couple of books and, you know, all of that, but it really started there with this very astute lady who did something that I'm not sure would happen now in the schools. She, she looked at me and said, you know what, I don't want you to go through the little square that everybody else goes through. I want, I want to, I want to give you some, a chance to do something amazing. And, you know, what a blessing that was, uh, because I'm still reaping the benefits of, I, you know, I don't know if I ever went back and even told Miss McRee what a, an impact that she had, but uh, that's really where it started. And I've, you know, I've never gotten over it. What a beautiful, powerful story and what a use of words to paint this amazing picture and drive every single one of us, I'm sure that watched us and listens, including myself, into our own childhood and similar experiences. That mm -hmm. is a remarkable. I love Thank that. You. And I love how she, again, recognized that you will be bored out of your mind and slow down with your growth, right? Right, um, but right. then gave you a chance to be as a sponge and then continue and be those little expeditions and ventures and get into different types of books and reading. Yeah. Similarly, I have to just mention this. I grew up in former Yugoslavia with two different writing styles. And I started my first grade as a six-year-old. And I remember I learned also through my older siblings to read one version, which is Latinic version of the language. And because they knew this, they started to be bored out of mind because we had a second set of the language with Cyrillic version, that's where I end up being. But if that did not happen, I would be exactly same place because I was like, what do I do? Mm -hmm. You know, you're bored out of my mind. So I just want to say uh, such an amazing uh, foundation, obviously, that uh, brought you where you are today. But do you mind sharing from your those early stages, those first experiences when you were started writing and, and appreciation not only for reading the books, but writing the books? writing the songs and 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 then mm -hmm. music so one of the things i'll say before i start this is that you know it's it, you know i worked for gallup for 13 years and you know for you know i, I got there right when it was changing from being a uh, a very well known but not very profitable polling company because at that point polling was becoming a commodity and so you know some troll in the basement you know just they just wanted the data. They, they didn't really care who gave it to them as long as there was something to, to work with. And so, so Gallup got really smart and said, you know, we, uh, you know, we've been collecting data for 60 or 70 years now. And so why don't we turn this, what we've learned 70, 60, whatever, what years, and let's turn this into some books and let's do some consulting. And I don't think even they had any idea what was about to happen because then, you know, you think about those great books, uh, First Break All the Rules, Sold a Million Copies, uh, Strengths Finder, the, they invented the Strengths Finder while I was there. And, you know, and that, that book has never, the second version of the book, Strengths Finder 2.0 has never left the bestseller list. It's, it's been, you know, decades, I think. And, you know, and one of the questions that they ask is that they ask on their Q12, which is their engagement study, is they, they ask this, and it's really, a, it's really a statement, it's not a question. It says, at work, I get to do what I do best every day. So you can hear the extremes there, you know, best and every day, every day, right? So, you know, for, for I guess, 25 years, Isabella, the, the answer, the, the, the percentages of people who say yes to that question are only one person in five. So less, and this is a self-reported question. So you know, the numbers are worse than that. Who, who do you go to and say, Isabella, are you great at what you do? Are you doing what you do best every day? Who says no to that? So, so it's probably worse than 20%, but let's just say that it's only 20%. 
That means there's 80% of people out there who go to do something every day that is not what they do best. And, and so, you know, and so, but the, I think the secret is, you know, I, I was standing outside of a, um, a meeting room with Don Clifton, the inventor, grandfather of positive psychology, inventor of the strengths finder, all that. Yes. And it was always a crowd around him. And, uh, and so he was a chairman at Gallup. And so, but suddenly it was just me and him. And so I, I looked over at him and I said, he was probably approaching 80 at the time. He was still razor sharp. And I said, Don, look here. I said, it's just you and me. And I said, it's never just you and me. Okay. And I said, so why don't you tell me the most profound thing you can tell me in two minutes? And he got a big smile on his face. And he looked, he leaned into me and he said, Dennis, every single person on the planet can do at least one thing better than 10,000 other people. Wow. He said, that's the good news. The bad news is most people don't have any idea what that one thing is. And so, mm. you know, that's the tragedy. So my point in all that is to say, those people who show up and say, Isabella, did you know, you know, even bosses, if you're in management, if somebody comes to you and says, Isabella, you know, you're a C plus version of what we have you doing now, but what if we could do, you could do this, what would that be like? That's a very unselfish way of leading. That's what this principle did. How unselfish. To, it, it took time out of her day and everything to come down and do something different with me. But, but to me, that's the secret of finding that one thing that you do better than 10,000 other people. And look, when you find it, you're, you're like me and you. You're, you're, you're obviously in the 20%. But you know you, your enthusiasm for what you do your attention to detail, the, the fact you care so deeply about it, because it's not just a job, it's something you're called yes. to do, right? Yes. And so anyway, and so all of that to say, what a blessing, I, I didn't answer your question about writing, I'll get to that. But, you know, but that's, that's really, that's such a missing piece today. And it seems like it shouldn't be because, because think how different the world would be if those numbers were flipped. And 80% yes. of people were doing what they do best every day. How would that change the world, whether it's politics or business or whatever, you know? So anyway, uh, that's just a little rant that I have. But, um, <laughs> so, you know, so songwriting. So I, to be honest with you, I, I didn't even play an instrument when I wrote my first song. I wrote it driving home from a date one night. And it must have been a really great date. But anyway, I was driving home. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, and I just sang an acapella version of, of a song. And the next day I went into my office, I was, uh, I was, you know, in college, I was selling furniture and stuff. And the guy I worked for, I worked with, always kept his ovation guitar underneath his desk. He was a guitar player. And so he heard me singing this song because I was trying to remember it. And he said, what are you singing? And I said, well, it's something I wrote last night driving home. And he said, well, wait, let's play it. And he took his guitar out and he started playing this song and we started singing it. And it was, it was really beautiful. And, and I, and we both were kind of moved by it. And he said, and once that happened, that set the hook. That was, oh, wait a minute. This may be something that I didn't know that I had. I didn't seek this, but somehow I'm hearing music out of the air i'm hearing i'm hearing ideas and songs and all that and so i went out and bought a guitar and i started learning how to play it but i couldn't i couldn't learn chord progressions without hearing hearing words you know what i mean and so uh and so anyway that sent me on a a journey you know for years i, I made records i toured I, all this stuff but then when my kids came along my our two sons um i, I just couldn't do the travel anymore and I wasn't going to do it. And so um, I decided it was time to make a change. And thankfully, the Gallup organization was there when I was making the change because they really didn't care about my background. I had a marketing degree, but I really didn't have any business background at all. And they put me through their assessments and asked me to be a manager. I thought they were kidding. And, uh, and so, you know, I became a manager and I speak some Spanish. So I started Spanish interviewing at Gallup and I went back and got an MBA and became a director of marketing and a senior staff writer. They needed people to do everything. 
And so, you know, all of it is, here's, here's my, the short answer is that nothing that you do in your life is wasted, you know, it, because, because you think at the time that something you're doing, like, I felt like I had failed in the music business because I, I, I didn't want to go, I don't want to be on the road. I want to be home with my kids. And, but I've continued to write all these years, even when nobody heard any of it, but I've written hundreds and hundreds of songs. And, um, but, uh, and I don't know how to stop doing that. And so that's, that's it. And then I've written a couple of books as well. And, and they're, uh, and they're out there and I, I no, nobody's more amazed by it than I am, <laughs> you know, so. Since so cute. you had an amazing trajectory to continue to do what you loved and leverage that. And, and I love that you mentioned Gallup and everybody that is in leadership and beyond the leadership wants to know what's going on in their culture and their organization with their people. Uh, obviously, one point you, you leverage and utilize data and research from Gallup. But I also love that you mentioned something very, very powerful. And you're right. It is such a fortunate thing that so many people don't know what their strengths are and mm -hmm. are they and how to lead with those strengths yeah. and also right. make up of their teams, right? And how to tap into those strengths and flip the scenario 80-20 versus 20-80 and making yeah. sure the right people are in the right roles and they're going to be tremendously successful. Yes. And, you know, and look, we have so many assessment tools now, Isabella, there's really no excuse. You yes. know, it's, uh, it, it, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if people feel like, I don't really want to know this about myself you know, or I, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to stop long enough to, to, to be introspective or whatever. But if you do, there's the Myers-Briggs, there's the Strengths Finder, there's the Enneagram. I mean, you can name a hundred things just sitting here, the disc, I mean, all of that, that tells you, you know what, Isabella, this is not telling you everything about who you are, because you're much more complicated than any assessment can, can get, tell. But but it's going to give you the general uh, idea about who you are. And it also will tell you about things that you are not, you know, yes. and, and that's, and that keeps you from going into a buzzsaw of a job because you, you want to move up in the company. Yes. Or you want more money or any of those things that drive us to go take the next thing. And I, look, I'm a driven guy. I get it. But you know what, but you shouldn't be in that role, no matter what the name, title is on the door, if it's going to kill you to do it. And, and so it's, it's kind of, we're kind of without excuse now, you know, all of these, all this, you know, social, I guess, social scientists or whoever have invented all this stuff, those things work. I mean, I took the Myers-Briggs when I went back to graduate school. And when, when I took it, I'm an INFJ, by the way, and they gave me a little booklet that went with INFJ and I brought it home and I sat with my wife uh, and I read it to her. I read this little booklet that said, here's what they're saying about me. And when I finished reading it, she said, Dennis, it sounds like somebody followed you around. It's so accurate. Wow. And you know what? And so, and so that's, that's what we can find out, but we have to be willing to stop and not just say, let's just keep doing you got to find some time and figure out who, who, you know, who you are, because I don't know how people are successful in this world if they don't do that. Right. Yes. Such an excellent points here, Dennis, because you're spot on. Uh, sometimes we don't also know, obviously, who we are, but uh, others recognize very quickly. Right. Sometimes mm -hmm. we're oblivious to some of either our strengths, but also sometimes our weaknesses too. Mm -hmm. And opportunities where we can grow and where we can get better. Yep. But but it also when you were transitioning from these different careers where you were talking about also from college selling furniture to being in the music industry and recognizing I need to not travel. I need to be now with my wife. I need to be with my sons and making the transition. Where do I go? And, and it's so beautiful that they recognize you have a managerial capacity or, or that you have a good fit to lead people in organization. Yes. Uh, a lot of times... Those are those stepping stones when we give when you're given another challenge, another task, another opportunity, but also supports so you're not gonna fail, and be right. the best version of yourself. And since like you have a pattern to do that, <laughs> well, and, and look, you know what? I, what I, look, any other company, I think, you know, would have said, uh, "Look at this guy. You know, he he's got his hair is down to his shoulders. He's a 
he has no business background at all except running his own music business and uh, and all that. But here's an interesting thing. So you know I'm a publicist now. Well, at that time, I was my own. I didn't know. I didn't know what to call myself. I didn't call myself a publicist, but I was my own publicist, and I was on TV and radio, Isabella, everywhere. I was interviewed all over the place, and people would say, "How are you getting these interviews?" I'm like, "Well, I don't know. I just call people up and tell them what I'm doing, and I make a pitch, <laughs> basically, right?" And so here I am, you know, uh, 50 years later, and I wake up every day, and that's what I do for other people. And I just have to tell you, it's a lot easier to do it for other people than it is to do it for yourself. To call up and say, "Look at me, how great I am." I'd rather say, "Look at Isabella, how great she is." You know, that's what I'd rather do. So, you know, uh, and so again you know, the theme that nothing is wasted. I mean, I spent all those years doing it. And, you know, when I started doing this, when I got out, I left Gallup, uh, the, the publicist who broke all of the big Gallup books called me one day and said, I know you traveled with John Maxwell last year and you know him and I've got a John Maxwell book. Can I buy a couple of days of your time? And I, I of course, I, I was thrilled because we didn't have a customer. So I, I said, yeah, absolutely. And so I did a couple of days of outreach for John Maxwell. And on the end of day two, this lady called me and she said, Dennis, how in the world do you know how to do this? Because you've gotten more for John in a couple of days than we get in a month. Is that, how is that possible? I said, well, Barbara, I said, you know what? I, this is what I did for myself 30 years ago, not having any idea that I would be using that today for you. And she said, you know what? Stop what you're doing come to work for me as a vice president, publicity director, and learn this business because you're, you're really good at this. And so again, there's somebody who shows up, Isabella, at a time. I was not looking for a job. I wasn't looking for her. I was her friend. I'd worked with her at Gallup, but I didn't really, I wasn't looking for that, but she just appeared. And you know what? I spent about four years working with her and learning how to do this. And then, you know what, when I went out on my own, I knew what I was doing. And so that couldn't have happened. Look, here's the other part of this is that, you know what, if you want to have this kind of life, you know, you, you have to be looking, you have to be circumspect. Yes. You know, you, you can't just keep going forward and putting your head down. You've got to be looking around and saying, you know what, you know, look, sometimes when you're stopped, like, like, you know what? I don't have any regrets about the music business, by the way. I, I'm, a, I'm a, 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 you know, a published songwriter and I'm totally happy with do, sliding them under the door for somebody else to sing, right? But, you know, you, you, you know I felt like I had failed, but you know what? But, I, but at the time it felt like failure. But look, there's a lot of things worse than failing. You know, uh, regret is a thousand times worse than failing. I, I like, I, you know what? If you fail, you just pick yourself up and dust yourself off, and you and you figure out a way to go forward. But you can't fix the stuff you never tried. And so, you know, it's a very and you know this because you've done it. But you know what? It's a very uh, and I'm gonna put quotations around this. It's a very unsafe way of living. You know, if I want to hide in safety. I go yes. to Ford Motor Company and I get in there because they've been in business 150 years. Surely I can retire there and get a gold watch, right? That's just, that's not how you find the life that uh, is remarkable where you go, I'm in the 20%. I don't think you find it like that. Maybe you do, maybe you get lucky, but I, I don't see it like that. It feels like what you've been constantly doing so well for everybody watching and listening is being ready and open when a new opportunity shows up mm -hmm. and then willing to explore and put yourself in those situations because people that you respect recognize in your skills, your talent, but you were not also afraid to show and show up and see what you can do and not worry about it. Are you going to fail? Are you good enough in any of those things, which is so beautiful because a lot of times we're seeing people that has quite a bit of credential and experience, but they still don't have the level of confidence. They still don't put themselves in those situations where they're going to be really asked to level up, right? And and right. And, and as a result, uh, people like to preserve themselves in status quo or like to uh, play small or like to be maybe sometimes even miserable, but at least it's a safe way of where they're at versus take right. that risk. So it's a predictable, yes, yeah, a predictable, yes. miserable, you know? Yes. Yeah.
so obviously creativity knowledge and everything so do you mind for everybody watching and listening give a little bit of insights on how did you become so even though yes you're family man you have a children you have to provide you have to have a stability it's not like you were just single rocker with the lunker and then with the guitar and let's go on the road and have fun how did you took that risk how did you become uh so acceptable of the change because so many people you know are not that open for a change no look i you know i'm aware first of all i've been uh keenly aware even from a very young age i've only got this one life this is it and you know um and so that's one thing is that you know what i i want to make the most of it and i want to make a difference i don't want to just be here you know, I don't want to just make a bank full of money and not have any impact on anybody, right? So that's that's one thing. I've always been keenly aware of that. And that's driven me. So, you know, I'll just tell you a quick story. A few years ago, uh, a friend of ours daughter was in the University of Texas Film School. And her and her team was, do, was doing a, um, a documentary. And I didn't even know what the documentary was about. But, but I love this little girl. So when she called me and she said, you know, Dennis, would you be in my documentary? I said, absolutely, Corey, I'd, I'd love to do it. And so I go and Susie and I go and, and, you know, they, they, all the lights come up and all these fresh faced kids are standing there, you know, and, and this girl stands in front of me and she's very smart, whip smart. And she says, so, so let's see, she goes, you're 63 or whatever I was at the time. She said, so when you were uh, 23, like us, you know, how did you know you would be here? I said, you know what, Corey, that's a great question. I said, let me be honest with you. I said, I didn't know that I would be here because I didn't know there was a here here. I didn't know people did this. I said, but I knew what being here felt like. <clears throat> and as much as I was able to in my life economically, I said no to the things that didn't feel like this. And I said, uh -huh. and, and that's what brought me here. And, and, and so for that to work, Isabella, you have to be, you have to shed the naysayers in your life because there's a lot of those. There's a lot of people that say, Isabella, who do you think you are? What are you talking about? Writing a book? You're not an author. You're not a writer. You know, there's people like that. So first of all, I don't have, I have, look, I'm married to uh, a woman who, uh, you know, is, is, understands me better than I understand myself. And, you know, and if I'm out of line, she doesn't mind telling me, but, but, but in our 41 years of marriage now, almost 42, you know, uh, when I've sat down with her and said, you know what, I, I think we're done here. I think we're done with the music business, or I think we're done with the Gallup organization. I think there's something else out here, you know, instead of saying, oh my God, how are we going to keep the lights on and all that? She, she will say, Okay, if that's what you think, I think it too. Let's put our heads together and let's figure out what this new thing looks like. And then, you know, and then we transition together into this new thing. And, um, and I'm a guy who, you know, I'm 66. So a lot of my friends are starting to retire now. And I can't even imagine retiring. I, I mean, unless I can't do it anymore, for some reason, the idea of, 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 of doing, of leaving this, I, I love what I do, but it didn't happen by accident. You know, yes. it happened because, because we were proactively, you know, working to be doing something that mattered at 66 years old, because if you don't proactively do it, Isabella, the, the momentum of the, of the culture will sweep you out to pasture, basically. And so you have to on purpose say, what can I do today? To make a difference and that might and, and look you know what and here's the thing when you're doing it you know you're doing it you're yes. you're doing it you know you are and whenever you're doing it there's nothing i mean it's like a drug it's like you can't imagine doing anything else and it doesn't happen by accident but you know but look you have to do i'll just tell you this i had a uh you know look i had to leave the main road where all this where all the safety was and all the lights were I had to cut my way through the forest. I had to pave my own road. And here's the worst part for a control freak like me is <laughs> I, didn't, I don't have any idea where this road is going. I don't. And, and, and that's the opposite of what you're taught to do in MBA school or in college. You know, it's like, you know, 
you know, have a plan and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, I, I kind of had one, but, <laughs> but apparently God had another plan and it was, and it brought me here. And so, you know what? So again, if people ask me how you got here, it's like, I, I, I don't know. I just said yes to things in my periphery uh, that seemed like open doors. And even though I didn't really understand them, it turned out to be the greatest transition I could make. And I just think that there's, I'm, I, look, it's an adventure and I feel bad for people who aren't living that kind of adventure. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, I do. And I love that because you you, you were like synchronicity, but serendipity too. And when we're open, when we're not rich and when we're fluid, but also in touch with ourselves, that's where magic happens. Mm -hmm. And obviously you're a living example of that. And the beauty is like, ultimately everything you start with our share today from that early six-year-old eyes full of wonder and desire to read the books and be engaged uh, and, and be in this amazing library, you leverage and utilize in that written and spoken word in right. everything you do today. So that really never left, but it's just no. uh, went through different ebb and flow. Yeah. Till it just shows life. up in different forms is what it yes, does. And, exactly. you know, uh, and it's, it's uh, you know, when I talk about it like this, I realize how blessed I am that it's happened like that. And it's beautiful also for a lot of people to watch and listen to have someone in your life who is truly supporting you of your dream, who is also mm -hmm. validating what makes sense and doesn't, how that fits with your personality, how that fits with who you are and what you're yeah. all about. Because a lot of times people experiment just for sake of experimentation. They never stay long enough with anything. They are all so very quickly bored and sick and tired or whenever things get difficult, people give up. And that is also another, another trap that I see a lot of people falling for. And, and mm -hmm. I just wanted to say, it's very important to know the difference, right? And only yeah. way you know, by putting yourself to mature, so you can discover yeah. yourself better. Yeah. With that in mind, do you mind sharing now? Because we're really seeing some interesting uh, trends, uh, Dennis, not only just in the music industry and how lyric and songs are written and how music is being disseminated uh, and uh, in virtual world and not just in concerts and whatnot. But also we're seeing what's going on with PR. How is this uh, from publicist lens, uh, public relation happening. How do we communicate uh, the storytelling from that leadership lens? And how do we influence and impact people to, A, wanna even step and listen, right? right. Or do, and let alone engage. Well, it's, it's, I will say this, I've been doing this now for, so our, we've had our company for, we're in year 12 now and uh 11 excuse me and um and you know then i did it for four and a half years with another company so let's say 15 years it's it is exponentially more difficult today than it has ever been you know because you know along with the usual things that have been happening you know my i remember sitting in the green room at CNBC, I was there with the, the, the CEO of Campbell Soup, Doug Cohn, an amazing guy. And my contact there, uh, and I were sitting there having coffee, and she said, you know, Dennis, uh, I just want to let you know, I get a thousand pitches a day from people like you, a thousand. Wow. And, uh, and some days, I can't take it. And she goes, I come in, and I, I highlight them all, and I nuke them all, no matter who they are. And I don't want, and I like you, and I don't want you to be discouraged by that. So if you don't hear from me, you're the, you're one of the people I look for. So if you don't hear from me, then uh, just come back tomorrow and I'll, I'll, we'll do it again tomorrow. That was eight or nine years ago. Wow. So think about that for a second. So, so first of all, you have, you have, you know, so much incoming. That's one problem. There's another problem, and that is that the average knowledge worker in the United States is interrupted every 11 minutes by some form of communication, 11 minutes. And because 11 minutes, we interrupt ourselves twice during that 11 minutes to check and see if these things are going off or not, okay? So that means every four minutes, something is, some, you're, there's something, some communication thing that you're doing. How in the world can we not be distracted by that? And so that's so, and phones have been a huge part of it. 
And so people are just distracted. Okay. So I would say, and then you add on top of that. So we've got a little strata going here. You add, oh, a pandemic or the war in Ukraine or Donald Trump for, for four years, you know, without making any political statements at all. I'm just saying, you know what? He took up a lot of bandwidth in the media because he, it, it, there was always something brewing. And so, you know, and so, but the, the fundamentals of PR have not changed at all. Not, not even a little, you know, you, you better figure out how to tell the story quickly. You know, when I do a pitch, it better happen in the first two minutes, the first two paragraphs, it be, I better have your undivided attention or this ain't happening. Okay. It's not going to happen. And, and the trick is, so we say around here that every good thing happens in a dialogue. And so I've never sold anything in a monologue. I've never changed, moved people's paradigms, nothing. But the, here's the problem is most of us are not in enough dialogues. You know, social media makes us believe that we are, but, but, but that's not really a, mon that's a, that's a monologue. That's why people can go on Facebook and talk about the president or whatever and say, yeah, I really fixed that. It's like, no, you didn't fix anything. Nobody's talking to you. There's no conversation. So, so my job every day, it's the same as it's always been. It is a lot harder. I'll just tell you that. But is to go out and give you just enough information if you're the media to intrigue you to reach out to me and say, okay, Dennis, you know what? I'll take a look at that book or I'll, can you have her, can we do a pre-interview, you know, something. And when that happens, you know, and out of let's say 300 media contacts that I pull for a book, we go out every single week individually to those people. It's relentless, okay? But out of those 300, maybe only 20 will engage with me. But if it's the right 20, it makes the world move, you know? And so, uh, and so here's what I know. When somebody does reach out to me and say, you know what? Send me Isabella's book. I'm, I'm, you got me. I'm interested. There's a 95% chance of coverage because now I'm in a conversation with you. And that changes. It warms everything up and it changes everything. But getting into those conversations is, is just hard to do these days. Not impossible, but, and, and when you see people, I'll just say one other thing. When you see people send out a, 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 a blanket press release with dear insert name here stuff, you know, I suppose if you're John Grisham, that gets you something. But the way I've done it for all these years, and I think this is how we've been successful, is, is I go to you and I say, good morning, Isabella. I hope you had a great Christmas. I just want to tell you, I'm working on something I think you'd really like. And so it's a very personal approach. And while it might not work, it's my best shot. But it's also, you think about how much work that is. It's just different than the usual PR model. And so, I don't know, that answer your question? Yes, it does. And it's also really good to hear because, yes, as, as the world and everything is evolving, social media, and we get so much thrown at us content and, and, and mm -hmm. from creators, how is this really helping us to better understand who we're going to listen to, which outlets are sharing correct and accurate information, where we're going to get to quickly to the point, as you said, with all the extra fluff and needs to trim or, 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 or whatnot, which words to listen to and et cetera, what make us feel educated and informed, what make us just uh, waste our time and entertain, where mm -hmm. do we get the buzz? All of those things keep coming and popping up in my head because I love that you said the PR world and publicist world, it's actually fundamentals are the same, but the world we live in because of the nature of what we're seeing today and how much is over consumerism and over saturation, how it's important. And this is my question to you. Is it about quality versus quantities? Is it about more leading towards connection and relationship versus, as you just mentioned, this passive, voluminous uh, type of sharing? Uh, 
what would you say is, is this is this this amazing opportunity because you obviously doing some amazing work yourself and i'm Thank super you. thrilled to see uh, this in a, in the last uh, few days but also in the weeks to come and and by the way for everyone that is watching and listening because this is going uh, right away out uh we're we're working together on fundraising event for Ukraine in, in this situation right now in LA and just seeing Dennis in action. That is also amazing, amazing avenue to really see how capable and able he is. So it's quite a, quite a team that we have put together here. Thank you for the kind words. You're amazing yourself. And, you know, look, it, it's a, uh, some of this is in, so what Susie and I decided when we started this business is we, we wouldn't fill slots, okay? You know, uh, people always want to send me their book first. And I'm like, no, no, I, no, let's get on a Zoom call and, and let me hear you talk about what you do. Because I'm going to know five minutes into that conversation whether we're a good fit for each other or not. You know, if it's about you and your speaking fees and making lists and, you know, bestsellers and blah, blah. You know what? I have almost no interest in that, and I think it's a very difficult thing to achieve. But if you're uh, if you're on a mission, and I get what your mission is, and I think you know what I I get what you're doing, Isabel, I can help you with that. You know what? Then that then I say, okay, send me the book, and then I read the book, and and I'm just so you know, in the first twenty five or fifty pages, I know if I see the hooks or I don't see the hooks, and if I don't see the hooks. Even if we don't have any customers at all, we still say no. Because this job is extremely difficult. If you love what you're working on, I think it's impossible if you only like it. Okay. So some of the secret sauce in this is choosing stuff that you go, I'm willing to wake up in the middle of the night worried about Isabella's book, you know, and thinking about it and saying, man, what we're doing is not working. What else can we do? You know, you only do that with stuff you love. You do it with your own stuff. I, I certainly can do it with my own stuff. And I want to treat yours the same way I treat mine. And so that's, again, that's a little bit different business model because I hear it out there. That's not really how you do it. You know, you take all the money that people have. And we're just, we've decided God's going to take good care of us. And so let's be, let's be good stewards of people's money and let's say no, because that means if I can't do it and I don't see the hooks, somebody else will, and you should go and find them and, and let them help you be great. And I'm, I'm excited for you if that happens. I'm not living in a zero-sum game world, you know, and so um, it's, uh, it's just a very, you know, it, it's, here's what it does is it's choosing like that sets up the possibility of success. Mm. And, um, you know, and the setup is really important in this. If you don't set it up right, it, just the chances of something great happening are about zero. I love um, that reflection, how important it is to select the right projects or, or right clients um, ethically, to be able to be honest upfront, to have this selection criteria where you not only excited, but you also truly know you can make a difference, you can make mm -hmm. impact and, and versus chasing and going for anything and everything I just pointed out. And a lot of people really do so that they just can make money no matter what and what, no matter what outcome and output will be and being so conscientious about it, which is so refreshing, specifically mm -hmm. world of solo entrepreneurs or, in, or small entrepreneurs because everybody is hurting, right? From larger corporations, let alone the little yep. guys. But again, what makes huge difference is the integrity, leadership, reputation, and, and then truly knowing in your heart that this was the right thing to do, not only for yourself, but also for that client. Kudos well, for that. Well, and it pays off in ways that I could not have imagined. We've been in business, uh, you know, I guess this is year 11 now, you know, we've never done any marketing. We've never done any advertising. Every single penny that we've made for 11 years has come from word of mouth. You know, other people saying, even people that I, I didn't get their books because I knew we weren't the right people for it. Even those people went out and told other people, there's a guy over there who's, you know, it's like, it's still, I guess it's still rare. I, I don't, I'm certainly not bragging about it. It's just the way we chose to do business, but, but somehow, that has 
made it out there so that I don't have to go out and, and you know, run Facebook ads and beg people to come, you know, work with us. They just show up at the right time. And, uh, and I think in large part because we chose in the beginning to do it this way. Um, and I'll, nobody taught us this. I didn't learn this in MBA school. You know, this is just something we decided to do, so. That's fantastic, but it's obviously working and it's really great example of what is possible because a lot of times we go in for shiny objects. We go in for so many different things and it overcomplicate mm -hmm. instead of simplify. But why it's so easy to do that, Dennis, for you is because you are constant, your quality, how you show up and who you are and what you're about and relationship and connections never deviates, never goes away with, uh, with quality of, 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 of how you show up and how you carry yourself. Thank you. And I'm not surprised. And then for everybody, again, watching and listening, this is a great lesson, how quickly you can still, even if it's not a client for you, make a magic happen when you connect. It's hard then to say, just because he didn't help, we able to help me, that doesn't mean he might not be able to help you. Because what we're talking about here is a likability factor. Not only because we like each other, but how we like each other, we also have to respect each other, right? right. If we're not That's respecting right. and we're not liking each other, we're not having this conversation. And are you not going to also stay on top of somebody's mind if you do not uh, create this genuine connection of someone's best interest? Mm -hmm. So Agreed. if you reject me today and say your book, it's not a good fit. I still will like you because I was like, wow, he has a certain criteria. He has the values. He has a model and blueprint to follow. He's not just the random guy who's going to just take another X amount of money and call it good. And for me, hope that might work. Let's cross the fingers, right? Right. And that doesn't mean it's not difficult. You know, it doesn't mean that, you know, the, the natural human thing that says, wow, we got, we got no, this hasn't happened, but, you know, that we, we need another client. You know, we never had no clients. I was going to say, you know, we have no client, but you know that hasn't happened. But we don't. We, we could sure use another client. You know, there's that part that says that would sure be great, wouldn't it? I mean, I'd love to have one more. And that guy's sending me his book, and I get hopeful. And then, but you know, but but in my heart of hearts, and I've done it so long now this way. Susie and I've done it so long this way that it's in our DNA now, and it's just the way we do it. But, but that doesn't mean that it's easy or that there's not times when you think, man, I, you know what, what are we going to do that we don't have a big pipeline right now? And that happens because, you know, business is like this, right? Everybody, yeah. if you're a solopreneur, when you're up here, you're pretty sure it's going to be down here again sometime. But when you're down here, you also know that it's not forever and it's going to be better at some point. And, you know, in the middle of all that up and down stuff, you know, your, your values shouldn't change in that it just because you're tempted to change them. Right. And so, uh, so we, we try, I don't know if we're perfect, but that's, that's how we do it. So that's beautiful. And that's valuable. And I'm sure your quality and your behavior doesn't change. Your fate doesn't change and, 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 and hopes that yeah, again, that, as you said, depend which level of trajectory you're in, that the thing's going to shift. And, and that is the beauty when, you have the skill set and you know your craft. But mm -hmm. speaking of your craft, obviously from publicist stuff, do you mind sharing just for people that are actually also published authors or, or they're looking for publicists, uh, you now share a little bit about your criteria, but where were some of the most craziest outlets that you expose people to and then some of the most amazing experiences as a publicist? Well, the always go back to the very first customer that we got when we started this business. So, you know, I leave this established PR firm. And I love, I love my boss there. We're still, our families are great friends. There were no, no hard feelings at all. There was blessings to go, go off and do this the way you want to do it, you know? And so we open our doors and, you know, there was a little concern there. Was, I mean, where are we going to get clients now? I haven't even done any marketing and all this stuff. Well, the first day my phone rings, and this is a harbinger for how the last 11 years has been. And it's this guy here in Austin, and he has written a book about starting a business. And, uh, and he goes, I've written this book about starting a business. It's a New York publisher who, who's big, who was, is a medical publisher, and they've decided to start a business book division. You know, their big book the year before was about your pulmonary system. I mean, I don't even know what my pulmonary system is. So I, I mean, it probably <laughs> sold five books, right? So, 
But, you know, so I, so I, I, I listen to the conversation and I say, okay, let me see it. He sends over a PDF. I read it. I think, you know what, well, this is really smart, but I don't see the hooks yet. And so I think rather than email him, I'll just go meet him for coffee and tell him, no, that was the plan. Right. <laughs> so I get there, Isabella, and he is, he hasn't shaved in three or four days and his hair is all sprunged out and he is gesticulating wildly and talking about electric cars. And this is 11 years ago, right? Before they were ubiquitous, right? And so I let him go on for a while and I was fascinated. And I, and I, so finally I said, I held my hand up and I said, you know, um, Kevin, you're, you're kind of the mad scientist of entrepreneurs. Did you know this? And he laughed, he got a big smile on his face and he said, oh my gosh, I love that. I said, well, good. I said, because I came here to tell you no, but you're just too interesting. And I said, and so I want you to go back to your office. I want you to stand in front of your whiteboard. But before you do, put a bunch of, put a bunch of formulas and square roots and stuff up there like you're going to the moon and get your picture taken in front of it. And I, and I said, don't shave, don't do anything, just, just like you are. So he goes back, he do, dutifully does it, and, and we take this project on. And, uh, you know, first-time author, small publisher nobody's ever heard of, and we start saying, our pitch was, we found the, 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 uh, uh, the mad scientist of entrepreneurs, and he lives in Austin. Who knew this, you know? And so he's really smart. You should, you should cover his book and all that. So nothing happened right off the bat. It was kind of quiet. But then one night about nine or 10 o'clock here, I was sitting at my desk and being in comes an email from a Wall Street Journal editor, small business editor. And she says, hey, Dennis, uh, you think the mad scientists of entrepreneurs, she used my language, okay? The mad scientists of entrepreneurs would be interested in being interviewed for a, for a story about starting a business. And I said, that's a rhetorical question. Of course they would, right? And so does, this guy does this interview. Uh-huh. Amazing interview. He's brilliant. He's really is brilliant. So a couple of few days later, I get an email from somebody I wasn't even pitching at the Wall Street Journal who saw the article. And she said, do you think the mad scientists of entrepreneurs would like to write a story for the Wall Street Journal? Uh, I said, absolutely, positively, lutely. So when that happened, the owner of the publishing house, I've never had this happen, called me one day and he goes, Dennis, what the hell is in the water down there in Austin, Texas? He goes, I, I think I just couriered a, a Kevin book over to the Wall Street Journal. Is that true? What are you doing down there? You know, I said, look, I don't know. I said, I'm just telling the story. Okay. <laughs> so eventually, Isabella, he, that guy became a contributor to Forbes. And we kept having bigger and bigger things happen for him. We have had that happen over and over again. But here's why it happened. Because I, I, all of a sudden, I'm sitting with this guy and I see the hooks, right? Mm. And you know what? And that's the, again, I'll go back to that. That's the secret, you know, for me, at least, if I see the hooks, I, I mean, like Paul McCartney said, I don't know if you heard his interview on 60 Minutes, but this girl said, so you don't read music? And he goes, no, I don't, but I see music. Mm. And there was no follow-up question to that because <laughs> nobody understood what he was saying except him. And you know what? That's the that's the thing. When you're doing your one thing, you do better than 10,000 other people. You experience that kind of stuff where you go, I don't know how to explain to you what just happened. I mean, it's kind of supernatural, really. But look at what happened. And that's and that's and look, there's nothing like that. And I think if you're just going and doing you're in the 20 percent and you get a nice paycheck every two weeks, you never get to have that feeling that says, look at this crazy story that's happening. Look at this miracle. You know, that's, I, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't trade that, you know, for more money. I, I wouldn't, or for even being safe, you know, whatever that means, you know. I love the story and I love that how, how again, you, you invested the time and you were there. And as a result, there were, you had epiphany and aha moment. Uh, and sometimes things like that happen in a business, in other settings, in other, in other situations, but it's a beautiful ending, right? And then how much uh, we can 
go and take someone when they're open, when they're willing, and when they're collaborative, and when they're willing to take your advice. Yes. Magic happens. And you know what? Everybody can do this. This is not, this is not a, there's nothing mutually exclusive about this for you or me or anybody in the 20%. Anybody can do this. Everybody, every single person, remember, on the planet can do at least one thing better than 10,000 other people. You know what? Go find that. Go find your one thing. Because once you do and you start working in that strength zone, it, it, it is so addictive. And, and I don't know if you can tell, but I'm having a lot of fun doing this. Yes. Yes. And, you know, and people, I don't know if people think that work can be fun, but I can, t- I'm here to tell you it can be. And, you know, Absolutely. so it's, you know, it, I, I would, I would wish that those numbers would switch because I think people would be mentally better, uh, healthier, uh, physically, probably better, uh, you know, all of that. If they were, if they were doing their, their, their one thing, you know, and I, I, I don't know how to make people do that because you're going to have to get, you're going to have to leave safety to do it. Are there, are the illusion of safety to do yes. it? And that's, it's hard but, to get people to do. But. Yes. But also I love what you said, you know, you know, because not all, there will be more fulfilled. There will be mm-hmm. you most definitely mostly uh, 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 with that. I'm sorry. What I wanted to say was definitely they will be happier. Yes. And with that fulfillment comes when when you know that you're super excited and it's not a chore and it's not a job but something you absolutely love to do. Yeah. So with that in mind, as being such an amazing publicist and and making magic happen and bringing to light not only the books but uh, also obviously people and people's stories and everything else. Uh, what would be one of the advice for people that are trying to up their game? What would be one of the advice that you like to give them? Well, for authors, I would say, you know, just like with songwriting, you know, uh, uh, first of all, sequester yourself and write the best song you can write, write the best book you can write. And, and don't, you know, uh, don't uh, worry about what happens to it you know, worry about creating something amazing. Because once that's done, you know, then the possibilities are endless. You know, uh, uh, it's, you know, it's in the music business, it's very easy, by the way, if you're a songwriter, people say, you know, we'll need a, every country song has to have a bonfire in it or something. I don't know. You know, you know, the greatest songs that you, that we remember forever, they're not formulaic. They come out of people's souls. Yes. And, and, and look, the greatest books are the same. You know, Harper Lee only wrote one, one book. Well, she wrote a previous version of it that was rejected by her publisher. But then, you know, she, they sent her home and said, no, you're on the cusp of a, of a social tidal wave and you're going to be a part of it. So go back and rewrite this in a different way. And so she went and wrote, you know, to kill a mockingbird. Mm. And, and then she didn't write any more books. And after she passed, her sister got the first draft of, of to kill a mockingbird called uh, go set a watchman, you know, got it published. But, you know, the reason that we're still talking about that book is not because, um, you know, uh, she found something, some something popular she, she went back, it was already coming out of her soul. And so, you know, so the first thing I would say to authors and artists is, you know, do your best work and don't, don't think about the outcomes. Right. Um, and then I would say to people who do what I do every day, you know, uh, be selective, you know, be choose, choose things that move, move you. And if they do, you'll be, you'll be, you'll do a good job for people and they'll know that you're doing it, whatever the outcome is. Uh, Don't choose based on some trend. Don't be transactional, be relational. That's what I would say. Such a powerful words of wisdom from for the same two sides of the coin uh, that really are working in, in, in hand in hand together. And with that in mind, obviously you've been through a lot of uh, changes ups and downs, the growth, career paths, and I love the work you did in Gallup and what you're currently doing. So do you mind sharing what is the bucket list for Dennis? And uh, what would you like to be remembered for? Because you already are living and leading your legacy. 
but I'm curious where, where you headed and what would you really would like to be known for? So I look, it's, you know, uh, the bucket list is pretty small because I really have had this amazing life and I, I don't have a lot that I haven't done that. I, I, I think, wow, if I just had done that, you know, um, of course, as an artist, as a writer, songwriter, I would love, uh, you know, for uh, other artists, bigger artists who tour and all that stuff. I'd love for them to sing my songs. That that's a that's a given, you know. I, I'd love to see the impact that I hope they would have be exponentialized. That would be an amazing bucket list item. It's not, a, and it's not about how much money we make off of it, but these songs were written for a reason and they have a specific message that I think is kind of like salting the culture. And so I, I would love to see that happen. And that's where it feels like we're very close to that happening with some of this later stuff. Um, and so that would be amazing. Um, but, you know, uh, I, I just, I, I want to be remembered as somebody who uh, is, as a community is a communicator basically. And it is, um, you know, and, and had their priorities, you know, right, I think, you know, uh, you know, I want my sons, you know, they're in their mid thirties now, and I want them to know that, you know, they, they're so important. Uh, they're much more important than anything I'm doing. Uh, and my grandchildren now, you know, they're, they're the apple of my eye and they're, they're, they're more important than anything I'm doing. And so, um, and if they will pattern their life after that and not get caught up in the things that cause people to fail, in whatever it is, their marriages or their, or their life personally or whatever, you know, don't chase the wrong things. Yes. You know, uh, you know, Gallup, the, the book well-being studied all of these aspects of, of, you know, of well-being and, and what it found about money, for example, is that up to about at this time, at that time, I think it was around $70,000 on the way up to 70,000, each $10,000 that you made over the previous amount raised your well-being score uh, slightly. But, it, but at about 70,000, it leveled off. And at around 100,000, it actually began to drop. Mm. The people were, had less well-being. And here's what, I, here's what I can, I don't know all the data, but I'm just going to say this, that it's not about making a hundred thousand dollars. That's okay. You know, it's how you made the hundred thousand yes. dollars. You know, if you made it where you can still sleep at night and you're not, your life is not filled with conflict over how much money you have and worrying all day and night about it and all that, then you know what? A hundred thousand dollars is great. A million dollars is great, yeah. you know, and, but it's, it's, you know, but our priorities, our priorities set up how we do everything how we do our business, how we do our, our relationships, all of that. And so I, I would like to, I would hope, I haven't always gotten it right because I'm not perfect, I'm human, but you know, I'd like to think that my kids would look at this and say, you know, my, my grandfather you know, loved me more than he loved his job or his house or his music or anything else. You know? And I've been able to write some songs, by the way, for my grandchildren, which have been amazing. And, uh, and that's uh, it's very joyful. So I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how people remember me if they do it all. We'll see. Of course they will. And it is such a beautiful thing of what you're doing because you're creating these timeless opportunities um, and, 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 and helping people to be visible, to be seen, to be read, to be understood. But in the same time, with such a great foundation of the values and, and quality, right, versus quantity. And I love what you just mentioned, how sometimes we're chasing numbers or chasing things that are wrong things and don't give us necessarily satisfaction if we give up sleep the quality of life quality of relationships so to not to lose the insight what is important so mm -hmm. guys you have a phenomenal words of wisdom here uh, shared by dennis today so dennis how they can find about you i mean i love your website i love what you created with articulate which is also so catchy and, um, and your Thank logo, you. I just find it super, super awesome. So where would you like them to go and to get a little bit more sense of who you are and then how possibility maybe they can work with you and, and, and have you to help them? Well, there's a couple of places. One is, one is, is, uh, is you know, 
bearticulate.com. It's a, it's a command, B-E-A-R-T-I-C-U-L-A-T-E.com, bearticulate.com. That's, that's one place. And you can reach out to me there. There's a place to message me and all that. Um, on the music side, it's, it's, uh, it's the www.welch, W-E-L-C-H, dash, words, W-O-R-D-S.com. That's the title. That's what my publishing company's name, Welch Words. So either of those places have a way to reach out to me. And, you know, and I'm not, I, I have no problem even giving my Gmail address. It's Dennis Welch 1956 at gmail.com. And if somebody wants to reach out to me about anything, they're welcome to do that. I'm always happy to, to engage with people. That's fantastic. And I will definitely make sure that those links are all available. And you guys, I already have it. If you wanted to learn more how to be more articulate, how to be more successful, how to get your spoken word out, how to get a great publicist, and also be able to uh, put your message and your value into the world so the world can benefit, like Ed Dennis is doing for so many wonderful people. Uh, Thank I you. Think that is a great way to go. Dennis, it was absolute pleasure to be with you, and I look forward to see your magic, not only with upcoming Ukrainian fundraising, but everything else, uh, because when you meet people like this, you will gravitate, you will find the ways to collaborate, and also find the ways to learn. So guys, please take to the heart all of this great nuggets that he shared, and we look forward to seeing your comments below. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's great, Isabel. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Legacy Leader Show. If you enjoyed the content and had a positive experience, then please leave us a positive rating. In addition, leave us positive review whenever you are listening on whatever platform there might be. Make sure your friends and family also know about the benefit and value that we provide and what we have to offer. Cheers.